the Demon Dust Podcast, dedicated to the His Dark Materials, BBC, HBO television series, based on the works of Philip Pullman, powered by the South Congress Podcast Network. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Demon Dust Podcast. This is your spring and summer spectacular. This is Travis and Kendria reviewing The Land Chaos Seeds, Book 3, Alliances, by Alaron Kong. I'm Travis Bryant, Kendria Clark, with me as always. Ken, what's happening? Hey, everybody. How are you doing, Trav? I'm doing good. Um, I'm fresh, fresh off of these last couple of chapters, and um, <laughs> this is a really interesting part of the story uh, for, for more reasons than one. And I'm I'm ready to jump right into it if you are. I am. Let's get it. So, last episode we left, it was... We left on a very high note. There was uh, song and revelry. There was, uh, <laughs> you know, just tears of joy and a cathartic kind of, you know, as a village... Everybody in the Miss Village kind of took a breath, remembered the fallen. Richter had the really awesome monument built to honor the those who fell during the bugbear attack, and everything. He got some good relationship points with some members of his community who were on their way to being um, unhappy, um, to say the least. Monumental leap forward. And in this this section of of the of the book, uh, things weren't so joyous. Things were very painful, and rage-inducing, and really awful, and a lot of in a few certain particular ways. So, um, with that stage set, let's jump right into it. We we start in chapter eight, mm-hmm. and we finally have a new. New day, I think. Uh, at least he went to bed. I'm not sure if he. Yeah, it's nighttime. I believe it's, it's nighttime, so we get a we get one of those rare land uh, day changes. So much happens in one day in these books. <laughs> it's it's pretty amazing. Um, but Richter is asleep, or he's not asleep anymore. He's he's awoken to pain, and he's paralyzed, and he cannot move. And he realizes there's a mechanical wasp flying around, and he assumes that it stung him. I think that wasp is mechanical. I think it's. I was gonna say I never thought the I thought the the wasp was um, a, a familiar. I didn't think it was mechanical. Oh, like it was a. She did she call it a pet later? Might have been her pet, but. She wa- calls. She just refers to it as my wasp. Like I can't believe you did that to my wasp. Yeah, yeah. Is how is how she uh, characterizes it. Um. So yeah, Richter is sleeping and he is awakened with a sharp biting pain in his neck and soon realizes that he is immobilized. He can't move. Um. He sees and- a countdown in his in his in his peripheral that says you know it's counting down from ten, and it shows that he's. 
He's uh, he's bound in ropes. That's the icon. And there's another icon hanging with a woozy head that's like an hour's long uh, uh, debuff. But there's a countdown that would end his paralysis if he could just... If he could only, you know, get that counter to, to, to move or count down all the way to zero. Uh, but before it does, right. the young girl, Natasha, she, she's like, Lord Richter, is, is everything okay? And, and he doesn't understand why she's even in his room. He can't even move his eyes or move his, his neck, lift his head up to, to see where she is. All he can see in his face is the uh, wasp flying around. Uh, but then... She lets it be known very crystal clear that he is, or that she is there as an assassin to take him out, and she has poisoned him and paralyzed him, and she keeps renewing the counter over and over. She keeps nicking him, scratching him on his neck with her presumed poison, some kind of poison claw. Can we talk about Nakaska really quickly? Because the... The character is written uh, almost in a Harley Quinn-like mocking dialogue. Like, all of it is kind of really condescending and um, really cheerleader, bubbly assassinness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of not only is he, not only is Richter uh, thrown for a loop and upset that he's paralyzed, he is stuck in his, his body listening to somebody who has like real feminine banter and I think that this might be the first time um, in the series that we get a strong female lead who doesn't use euphemisms um, but her the, the language that she uses and the way that she speaks to him, if they had met under different circumstances, I think that he would have really enjoyed um, the verbal back and forth with her character. And he's stuck immobile with which is a bit of torture to what he's doing to what she's doing to him. And I think the writing there is really good. I love it. I agree that it, that the writing there is good. I disagree that if they met under from friendlier circumstances that they would get along. Like, remember, even Orvin, her p- partner in crime, like, she just babbles on about, like, dumb stuff and just nonsense. Like, she is legit kind of crazy. She is, but the banter, he can't really banter. He he doesn't have banter with any other female character except for Mama in the series. Um, so I think that he would have enjoyed that because one of the things that he longs for is being able to use colloquialisms and her character uses close to the only outside of his character in the series. Mm, maybe, but she's still a creature of the land. She's still a, a, you know, she's not a chaos seed herself, so she wouldn't get some of the uh, the idioms. I, no, and... I don't, I'm not saying that she is. I'm just saying her language is colorful, but right. we can move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's still a very interesting character, uh, and we find out that yeah, she's not a. We immediately find out she's not a level six farmer or scout or guide or whatever her 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 eight, eight alias uh, uh, stats showed. She's a uh, high level assassin, but we don't know that yet. We can just infer that because she's keeping that man under some sort of critical lockdown, and he can't move. And every time he thinks. 
he's going to get an edge. She she just tacks on a few more seconds. She ends up eventually tying a full-on IV or something into his veins to keep the timer at two minutes instead of ten seconds. And uh, he, he she he, pulls out a poison that she emits from her person. Yes, yes, and. You don't understand what that's about until a little later. He does try. He does have some points to allocate, some stat points to allocate. So he dumps them into Constitution, and that's when you find out, sweetie, uh, the poisons I, I make. That little spell that you're under isn't just some run-of-the-mill, you know, knockout juice. Like it's connected to me. So <laughs> you can't do anything that I'm not that I don't feel, and. She just turns up the juice as he he turned up his uh his health boost or whatever he turned up right. his constitution she she just turned up the uh the timer another notch on her internal dial uh so he's 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 just having an extremely uh difficult time and he's paralyzed and he can't move and she tells him this is I usually don't do things this way I'm a professional I, I a, a knife to the back of the brain stem, uh, you know, a quick flash of pain and it's over. That I'm in and out. That's how I do my job. But Ronan, you must have pissed him off something good. And you remember Ronan from book one. So we get a callback finally from the end of book one when uh, when at the end of book one, they um, they burned down the Thieves Guild, I think it was. The Thieves Guild. Yeah. Yes. And Ronan yep. was the, uh, I guess, the, I assume the guild master or certainly a high-level guild member, and he did not appreciate it. So this is finally the revenge of Ronan, and she, after letting him know that I, this is for Ronan, she then uh, proceeds to um, castrate him slowly but surely. With a dull knife. With a dull knife that Richter said would barely slice butter um like everything later he he has to make sure his twig and berries are there so everything the the trunk the stem the 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 fruits that that hang at the end she took them all off and then right before he died she shoved them into his mouth and and he died and (sighs) and this is only is this the second death Yes. He, he died pretty much in, instantly in book one. Not instantly, but like, you know, a few chapters in the book one, the wolves tore him up. Yeah. And we got through an entire rest of that book and all of book two with no uh, with no respawns. Yeah. And so, so he wakes up at the at the seal. Oh, he did more than just wake up. He he saw Red. He was in an absolute rage. I mean, because he had to s- sit there through the respawn, which the timer is. It was more. When he died the first time, he was out for a couple hours. This time, he was out for an entire day. So I, I think the experience. I think the experience of of the respawn feels longer. Like you you feel like you're sitting in nothingness. You know, for for a while. So I think he's stewing on this. And the minute he pops back into existence, naked and just full of rage, he's just screaming. And the next chapter, chapter nine, starts off, you know, where 
Ishii! And Hisako and Randolphus and Scion and even Sumiko were all there. Like, um, you want to put some clothes on and calm down, buddy? He's not having it. He's like, I will right. punch you in the face if you don't tell me right now where that whore is. And, and thankfully, Sumiko goes, all right, there's no need for that language. <laughs> Which was, to me, a... a, a a good line and very necessary. I, I don't like. It's one thing when you in, insult women and you call them, you know, you all kinds of names, but when it has nothing to do with, and even if it did, but when it has nothing to do with sex and stuff, and you call women whores and sluts, it's just like, wait, what? That because you would never get mad, mad at a man and be like, you whore, just unless like he cheated or something. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I'm. That's always been one that. That, that's bothered me when I find it interesting that he comes right back like yeah whatever you talking about she cut off my dick mm-hmm. because he does not when she's like hey there's no need for that language he does not it's shy like, away like, oh I'm sorry right. that my new like you know castrated mind isn't being kind and you know manners to you Sumiko <laughs> but, yeah, he is hot. but he does eventually uh, calm down. He realizes it's been a day, and they're long gone, um, or at least a day's gone. And he remembers something she said to him while she was torturing him that they were here to take Tarad back. Uh, uh, that they were going to take Tarad back to Ronan as well, because that was a part of the deal. And they told him, yeah, Tarad's Tarad's right. missing. The guards that were un, that were watching her, they're they're alive, but they were knocked out and paralyzed and gagged, uh, and they left without a trace. And also, all your items are missing. So all his right. rings, his necklace, his health bracelet, his strength belt, everything that he had on his person that uh, she just jacked and just looted his dead body. I mean that's right, what that's what not? you do, but no, I know, but <laughs> it was just an extra, extra insult. Um, it was that was a hurt piece. So he's again just standing there in the seal, naked, with uh, the four basically the four leaders of the the Miss Village slash uh, Hearth Tree, uh, uh, you know, standing there trying to calm him down and talk some sense into him. And he and he does find out Futin felt his arrival. Futin mm-hmm. felt he was gonna come. He was coming back. So he Futin uh, told everybody, "Hey, meet Nasil. Richter's back. Uh, Richter's coming back." And there was a bit of consternation when Sumiko talked about the tear being pure chaos. Is that where you come from? That place of pure chaos? And like she said it, like with so much angst and like. You know, she's really so they upset. All, they all describe it as upsetting. Like, it's unsettling. unsettling. It, it The way it's described in the book is almost enough to make you think that it is. it has a physical effect on them. Almost mm. like it made them nauseous. I mean, because, you know, if you're spinning around makes us dizzy. Looking into a, a rent in space that is more dizzying than your physical body moving around in circles. That seems like a lot. Well, she also said there were things in that tear, and they were yeah. hungry. So it's like we're learning about 
the world. Uh, under the world. Under the world. The world of chaos. They're dropping. Yeah. They're dropping uh, uh, clues here and there about what this world is made of or what it consists of. Mm-hmm. So yeah. He is upset. He is um, he is on a, a tangent because of all of because of the physical experience that he had. Um, but once he learns that Tarot has been his um, angst, his energy, his focus shifts from clearly being um, upset and wanting to get revenge um, to wanting to save um, a friend, wanting to save someone, um, and needing to move swiftly and that's what he starts to do next not just a friend a companion a capital c companion because every right. you know when you see it in the book it's capitalized and i was thinking why did she why do they keep capitalizing uh, companion and he realized oh that's right this is this is a uh, a real deal stat this is a re- some influence this is more right. than just friendship uh it's how many yeah. companions is it just it's Scion, Tarad, and I'm, I think there's one more because later when she gives them the the uh, the waypoint arrows there's two. Is Krom a companion? I I forget. I don't think so yet. I don't think that he is. But he has two more other than Tarad. It's Scion. He has, Tarad. he has two more right now in the series. Yeah, because when later when she gives him when Sumiko casts the spell for the waypoint arrows, he says he talks about how there's two pointing the other way. Like one's obviously Scion. Oh, I think it's Alora. It's the uh, it's the because uh, he said it was pointing towards the towards the quickening. So it has to be Alora. Got it. You're yeah. absolutely so it's, right. It's yes. the Pixie Queen Alora. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely right. Yes. So, okay. Um, relatively quickly, though, I, I don't remember this being not resolved so fast, but once he gets the lay of the land and calms down and, you know, puts on some pants, <laughs> he he's, they think about it, and they start planning. And Hasako immediately says, okay, once she realizes, okay, he's going to go get his companion, I can help. I'll be back, or meet me on the other side of the, the town and or the village, and, and I'll be there, and Sumiko will have something for you as well. So nobody's, uh, once he says, nope, I'm going after her, I'm getting to ride back, nobody really tries to stand in his way. No one says, hey, she's a high-level assassin hanging out with a high-level warrior. Maybe you should take some people with you or wait a few. Nope, they're just like, okay, let's, uh, let's do what we got to do to help, help the, the, the Lord of the Mist. And, and he armors up and... Um, on his way to meet her, um, he is met by Isabella, who is Tarad's person, who mm-hmm. they saved in book one. And if we think back over what her storyline is, she has been physically and mentally abused um, and was rescued and reunited with her love and traveled across long distances to get to this new And she's village. still in the process of healing. She is big time healing, and the and and the way that it's written beforehand is she is healing and in seclusion. She, they are off in their own nook, and yeah. Tarad is handling being the face of their relationship in the village, and she is just 
in the background. Um, and now that her person has been kidnapped, um, she comes forward heartbreakingly and and uh, offers Richter a quest. Um, and it, it's um, two lives is one. And basically, uh, Isabella is comes to Richter and says, the only thing that is keeping me alive and going is my relationship, my love for Tarot and his love for me. I'll die and without him. I'll kill myself. <laughs> listen, and... She, she means everything and he takes up the quest to go and save her love and and so saving her too um so that is also more fuel um for him to go and save Tarai. and it's beautiful it's a beautiful story i love it he did uh after that richter checked checked over his own personal stats and realized what that what the uh res- the death and respawn meant for him personally and his personal growth uh, she robbed him of about fifty thousand XP. Uh, yeah. So he said weeks worth of uh, of growth and and objects and items and enchanted rings and stuff. So this was a nice haul. You assume if you're her, she she got in, got out. She's going to get paid for her assignment, her assassin assignment, and she got a handful of like really cool, high quality. Items. This was a a haul. Do you know what else else she probably gets that isn't um, itemized in the Mm -hmm. list? Mm -hmm. Is fame points. She has killed the master of a place of power. That's right. And she even said it. She even said when she when uh, she she told him, "Oh, I put you under a a thing that you can't use any of your powers because he can't connect." When he was paralyzed, he couldn't connect to Alma. He couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. He only thing he could do was allocate those points, and she even knew he did that. She even said, "Nope, I did something to you, and you can't use nothing." So, you know, imagine she's like, "You thought you think I was going to take a chance of a of a uh, with a person uh, in his place of power? Like, no way!" Right? Uh-uh. Yeah, she probably gets buku fame points for that. Her her name will probably ring out for a very long time. So yeah. Um, so yeah so they meet on the other side of town Hisako hooks him up with the she summons a an Okami which mm-hmm. is a five foot tall at the shoulders not on its hind legs just standing on all fours a five foot tall giant forest wolf and it's basically made out of vines and leaves and it's Deep forest green, and uh, Hisako. but it is determinately a uh, uh, a killer. Like it has the wolf teeth and the wolf instincts, and Richter is immediately very respectful of the being. Yeah, he goes up to it. It's like, uh, hey, I don't know if you can understand me, but I, I I need you to carry me to go get my friend. And and Hisako had already talked to him and barked and whistled and did some weird wolf language that Richter's gift of tongues couldn't even pick up. Uh, so the the wolf was like, okay, I'll carry this guy, fine. If the hearth mother deems it, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, Sumiko cast a life spell that if you have a companion, you can... Um, a life mage can cast a spell that basically gives you a waypoint arrow. It's just mm-hmm. a, a golden arrow that points in their direction. 
And as we said earlier, Richter had three. He had two next near him, one for Allura, one for Scion, but one pointing way off in the distance, and that was Tarad. And he he was off. Oh, he did take Scion. Scion did give him... Like one of his health rings and a health bracelet, so he d- he was able to cobble together, and he also had some other lower lower tier rings and stuff in his in his uh, bag of holding that he had right. that he had when at earlier levels. So he wasn't completely devoid. He that belt of strength is is really awesome, and I'm sure you missed that. Uh, which which let us remind everyone is only possible after he died because he soul bound the bag of holding to him. Yes. So if he had not done that, they could have gotten everything. everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because he, uh, hooked up that little bit of magical insurance. Um, he, he didn't have to start from nothing. Yeah. But that's just your basic RPG. Uh, I I don't like the stories that when you die, you drop half your stuff for I don't like those mechanics. I'm not a fan of those mechanics at all. Like if I got an inventory, it should be in okay. my inventory when I wake up or when I respawn. I shouldn't have to there's some series where you you have an hour to get back to your your corpse to loot your own body really? before it and after an hour then it becomes public anybody monsters other players whoever can 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 loot your body go get your stuff interesting um, it, it just depends on the game slash writer slash series whatever the universe that the, the person i mean it's it's typically fine as long as you're consistent but i like the whole i like matter of fact i like an unlimited inventory because i like playing skyrim or or elder scrolls and you get uh encumbered if you go over your your weight limit Okay. Actually, in, in in Elder Scrolls, you can't go over here. It'd be like Mm-mm, limit your inventory's full. Eh. But in Skyrim, in Skyrim, you can you can pack your stuff with a million pounds of stuff. You just walk and fight super slow. Oh, so, that's <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a pain. Um, but yeah, and he's off. He's on his Okami, and the wolf's name is Finn, and it is a giant forest wolf and it runs like the wind and Richter fell off a couple times mm-hmm. uh, he had to 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 get in the groove because he's like you know riding this weird mount and it's hard in the rhythm yeah it's hard enough riding right. a, a horse now you have to ride a wolf so after he found the sweet spot um, the wolf not only gave him a nod but the universe gave him a nod and he leveled up in Lupine riding, which gave him a riding skill. Once you get a sub skill, you get the actual regular skill. And uh, after some positioning, he didn't want to ride right up and stumble right in and, and barge right in on the group because, you know, he wanted to plan. So he had the wolf pull up alongside of him, and then he ran a couple miles ahead of them to find a choke point, a place to to set his traps and 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 set up the terrain where he'd he'd want to fight at. And once he did that, he yeah he set up a, a sticky trap under a, tr- a fallen tree. A little further down, he set up a bunch of dart traps that had. Uh, 
that had that uh, venom that he got from Scion, Shriek Venom. Uh, and, yeah. and and then and then he basically stalked his prey. He just was he just watched them walk up the riverbank for for a few miles before they uh, before they got in his trap and and uh, and, and what he talks about what he talks about while they are walking up to the trap is just how annoying um, she is um, and how what's the um what's her um, it's Tarad who's her companion her companion oh Orvin Orvin the yeah. fighter Sonare the assassin right Orvin is pissed yeah. he is really upset that he has to walk through this woods and listen to her incessant blabbing yeah. and he's like randomly punching to rod in the face because he's frustrated like they are moving through the woods and they're pretty dangerous people but they are not doing it with any sort of stealth they are not um completely relaxed but they don't think that anybody's on their tail um so they are also not being quiet about it no, and they and he notices Tarad's limping, and because they probably roughed him up in the beginning, and now mm-hmm. they're now they're paying the price because he's slow and Orvin's frustrated, and she's talking about. <laughs> she said, "Why would why would anyone want to see themselves bleed? Oh well, if it was different colors, could you imagine if it was pink or orange? Oh, <laughs> it was just." She was like a child in in a lot of ways, or or maybe she had some kind of attention uh, uh, disorder, so ADD or something, where she just daughter of some can't, sort of can't stay focused. Yeah, or she just likes to hear herself talk, and she's just a weirdo and a half a half crazy woman, like I assume she is. Uh, but once once Richter realizes they are on the path, he he goes up to where he set his traps, and he waits, and he has Futin invisible. And and the wolf, he talks to the wolf. He's like, look, thank you for getting me here. I'm going to kill those people who, who kidnapped my friend. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to help me or not, but, you know, you're ha- <laughs> if you want to, great. So he sets his ambush and um, and the sticky trap goes off. Sonare does a backflip out of the trap, but he's able to shoot her. Richter's- In the Richter's right. able to shoot her like right in the side with a heavy, a heavy cobalt arrow, which right. knocks her off the bank into down like the little cliff into the river. So now all he has to do with is deal with Orvin, who's stuck in the sticky traps. Orvin tries to use a couple of talents, like his his earthquake boots or or whatever they're called. Uh, he can't get he can't get Tarot out because. He tries to cut through the sticky, but they were together. Well, no, no, no. He was Tarad was right behind, was in the middle. So the first two, Orvin and Tarad, got stuck in the sticky trap. But Sonare did right. a nice little backflip. But he's he's trying to cut Tarad out of the trap. But his sword or mm-hmm. whatever is like just you know getting stuck. And the whole time Orvin is doing his um, warrior talents. He's powering up. Right? He's, he's powering up. Anything he can think of. He's doing his second level power up that like, grants him 300% strength, except it's like a 90 or 120 second uh, build up. Cool it's down. A, or, no, it's like an active, to activate it, it costs a minute. And then to activate his part two, it costs two minutes. So in this time, he's trying to get 
He's trying to get Tarad un- unstuck. Then he just uses his flame, which also eats at the sticky webs that are holding uh, Orvin. Uh, he gets Tarad. Well, he does get Tarad out. He gets Tarad to his feet, gives him a quick, you know, weak heal, and 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 basically begs the wolf. And then just says, I owe you a favor, I owe you a favor, I owe you a favor. You know, thrice said, thrice heard. Right. Uh, and the wolf is like, all right, bet. <laughs> and later in his in his, in his his uh, notifications, he's like, you made a promise to a forest wolf. If you don't keep that promise or that favor when it's asked, you will suffer the consequences from all living beings. Like, So it's not just because that's a wolf or, you know, some nature spirit or whatever you want to call it. He gets to backstab it or not come through. Mm-hmm. It had the same. It had the same consequences as if you make a promise or something to a person or 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 another humanoid in the land. So just because he was a wolf spirit or whatever you want to call him, oh no, Kami, doesn't mean uh, you can just make promises in the land and, and renege on them. So mm-hmm. he got the wolf to take Tarad. So at least Tarad is safe and he'll be. Uh, reunited with Isabella. Now it was time to f- fight Orvin, this pissed off, unstuck, three hundred percent boosted uh, uh, warrior. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't. It wasn't a fun time. <laughs> Put it that way. And this is. I guess we're at this point. We're in. Uh, we're in. We're in chapter ten, and what, what the basic, what this fight boils down to was Orvin had the overwhelming strength advantage, but while he was stuck, Alma had been clamped on his head using brain drain or stun or whatever her offensive moves. So the whole time his arms are stuck. He he couldn't he couldn't do anything. But as soon as he got one unstuck, he uh, grabbed Alma by the neck, and she was so drunk on the memories, or Richter assumes she was drunk on his memories, but she was in her own blissful world, just drinking away, and didn't realize that Orvin got an arm f- free, and then she got choked out almost. But Richter was able to. Uh, he did something to Orvin, some kind of... Did he, did he shoot him with a... He doesn't have a crossbow. He he hit him with an imbued arrow, or not-so-imbued arrow, right in the forearm, and it, and it made him release her, and she flew away and healed herself. Um, but essentially, it boils down to attrition, and he just was able to outlast Orvin because he had Alma. That's really what it came down to. Alma was the star of this entire not maybe not the star but in these eight or so chapters that we read this for this episode she saved Richter's life every step of the way every time right. he was almost dead or a crucial point in the fight here comes Alma with a side blast or here comes Alma with a with a timely brain drain and it was able to just give him the advantage and the edge that he needed um, and they were able to take him out before Sonare got up. Matter of fact, just as soon as he died, Sonare was 
out of the river and crawled up the embankment. But she saw those dart traps and was not fooled one bit. And and chapter eleven starts with with them having uh, with her. It, it, it starts with Sonare trying to have one of her innate. So yeah, so as he's as he finishes the fight with Orvin and Orvin's dead, Sonare makes her way up the up the embankment, up the riverbank, and but she stops because she sees the dart traps that he set up. Because again, she's a relatively high-level assassin. She probably has trap detection or some kind of trap sense, uh, or, or poison so detect. Smart, because they're right? all poison traps. So, in some, some one of her talents, one of her abilities, uh, gave it away. So she just starts having. She tries to do one of her. Let's have a babbling, inane conversation. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't understand. Like, is this woman crazy? Then he realizes, oh, she wants me to be focused on her and not something else. And he realizes, oh crap, the wasp. The wasp. So he right. sends he sends a mental image of the wasp to Alma, and Alma basically flew in his general vicinity and gave a side blast, which she kind of got caught in the effect of, but mm-hmm. obviously not. It wasn't so bad. And his hunch paid off. And he looked up, and the thing was on the ground, twitching and and spazzing. And Sonare, all of a sudden, was the first time she didn't have her stupid, you know, shit-eating grin on her face. Mm-hmm. And uh, Richter goes, oh, look at that, and just <laughs> stomps on it with his heel. And she's like, no, you're going to pay for that. And she is upset. Because her little yeah, pet, her little, yeah, her little uh, 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 spy pet or uh, whatever. Because you you gotta assume she sent that thing into his room first. He tells Richter she's gonna cut his dick off again, and he like, goes, "She is livid." She goes, "He goes, yeah, that would be scarier if you hadn't already done it." <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, okay, just because you already had it done to you once, I don't want right. <laughs> to get it done again but yeah she's she is not a happy individual and um so she fights with two blades so she draws these two blades and she starts running towards them and he's got his arrows um and she activates um a talent shadow form which basically makes it so he can't see her um not only not that he- but the arrow he thinks went through her so she might have become incorporeal in that form. All right. So that's a hell of a talent. That's a hell of a skill as for anybody, but especially if for an assassin uh, rogue type. You j- right. You can just turn into a shadow of, 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 of nothingness. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, at will. She Listen, that's what I was saying before. She is crazy. She is crazy genius. The amalgam of her skills and her talents coupled with her crazy speech pattern and her uh, maybe not her familiar but her pet she's lethally dangerous well written I love her mm-hmm. yeah it does uh, uh, we kind of wish we got a little more screen time uh, uh, 
with her. Uh, unfortunately, she's uh, <laughs> her time is, is coming to an end. But um, she does shoot a couple of uh, crossbow crossbow bolts at him. But then Alma is able to use uh, an errant wind spell to to keep him from getting hit. It goes through like his cape or his uh, some a part of his clothing. It's a couple close calls. Um, but oh, he does read her stats before the fight actually starts, and he and she's a level thirty-three, half human, half wood elf, uh, assassin. She specializes in assassin. She's a rogue who specializes, or her profession is assassin. And mm-hmm. he's like, wow, I didn't even know you could have a profession or or specialize or or whatever. So he's still learning the ropes, and. Uh, yeah, so just to give you some context on how powerful she is. So he's a level 17 uh, archer? I don't even know what his his skill is at this point. But he's just a regular old level 17 taking on, you know, this high-level assassin. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so he... he Two at, of them comes down, so yeah. she comes at him... No, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Trev. No, no, no. You got it, Ken. So she comes at him with the blades of reaping with her two daggers and the force of them, the magic of them um, are so that not only does she puncture through his armor, it also enters into his body and pierces his spleen and his kidney. Yeah, one hits his spleen, the other hits his kidney. She yes. twists she twists it, giving it five times more uh, 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 damage done, and then yanks, and then yanks right. him out. And one of them, as we find out later, was is specifically uh, designed to 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 be worse on the extraction. So mm-hmm. so she she's he's got two holes in him now. And things aren't looking good. Mm-hmm. And he is, uh, he's done. He is on his knees in front of her. Um, and she's kind of standing over him. Um, and he yells, Now. That was mm-hmm. his, his last, his little last uh, card up the sleeve. She didn't know about Futin. So Futin gets in her face, turns visible, brightens, you know, uh, emits the Bright brightest light. light. He's heard in some kind of ear-deafening noise. She's deafened. She's slashing around, but Futin already done got out the way. And uh, he then, Richter... Was that, did he stab her? Or is that, did he go right for the No, he goes right acid. for the artifact. He did try to charm her a few times, and none of his none right. of his spells work. And we find out a, a little later why. And we find out why a little later. Um. Yeah, he knew he couldn't stealth. He couldn't run from her, and he didn't want to be in a cat and mouse game with a professed uh, assassin. He knew he'd be a ma- he'd be the mouse. So. As she's writhing in pain and, you know, can't see and can't hear, he takes out one of his traps and he's on his knees because, you know, he just got his guts torn out with those two two daggers. And he just holds up this like an offering to her to describe it. He holds mm-hmm. up the trap 
right in her face and activates it. And gooey gel acid splats everywhere. All down the back of... All on his hands, because he's holding it. All down his arms, in the back of his armor. But certainly the top of his head. Because he's got his head down and, and looks like he's prostrating himself. So the back of his head and scalp just gets all burnt up. But it's right in her face with her mouth open. So it gets all in her mouth. Her eyes burst from the heat. Her teeth shatter from the heat. It gets down her throat. Her friggin' vocal cords then sear and she can't scream anymore. And and then he double leg takes down, you know, does a tackle. And then he tackles her into the the lake or into the river, I mean. And, uh, uh, and then has to hold her down. Has to prop his foot on a rock and just hold her body underwater. He's got his right. fish. He had his fish ring on, so he's got three minutes of breath that he can hold. But his hands and everything are just jacked up, and he's it's a it's a hard time to keep her down. And he's getting delirious because again, he's got his guts ripped out. Now she is. She, I don't know what in the world. I don't know what's got her going. I don't know what keeps her going while her throat and face have been burned by acid, but she is still trying to escape, to live on while being drowned and simultaneously burned with acid. Suffocated and burned with acid. Yes. It's, it's crazy. And, and he just, uh, at, at, at one point he starts like, wait, why am I here? Why am I, what did this woman do to me? Like, he's just kind of delirious in pain. And then, uh, here we yeah. go. Alma saved the day. She latched onto him or latched onto, uh, onto Sana Ray's head and just brain drained her. She couldn't do it earlier probably, but now she's all messed up and dying and gargling on acid. Uh, Alma just ate her up. And finally, she just stopped moving. And, uh... Oh, when he double-legged took her down, she stabbed him in the back with both of those same blades. So he's, yeah, he's in such a terrible way at this point, trying to hold her down. Two blades in in his back. You know, hold this woman. Still bleeding, or still being burned. He said the water from the river didn't do anything to stop the corrosiveness of the acid. It still yeah. was eating through his back and skin and arms. Um, and then I think he passed out. And he wakes up and yeah. bright light, and it's the sun. Two and- suns. He didn't understand why are there two suns in the sky, and he just kept passing out. And then he woke up again, and he saw Alma, who was just dead tired and exhausted. He's like, what's wrong with Alma? And then he realizes, oh, I've got those daggers still in my back. She's mm-hmm. been continuously healing me. No wonder she's uh, exhausted. exhausted. And no wonder, you know, that's literally kept him alive. So he's able to reach back and get one. But Alma's not able to get the other out. It just hurts too bad. So he gets up and... Then he passes out. I think he did. He he, he did. (laughs) He passed out. He woke up and like, oh, okay, I got to get this thing out my back. He goes over to a tree and like lines the knife up with like a a crook in a tree branch and a tree and a tree trunk and just drops Mm -hmm. straight down and, and it just yanked the knife out and it was stuck in his scapula. That's why Alma couldn't get the thing out because it was like stuck in a piece of bone and she's only but so strong. 
Um, so I think she then healed him, or he healed. Uh, he hit himself with a heel. Yeah, and they they both take turns keeping him on the brink of life. Yeah, and this is uh, 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 chapter twelve, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so he did. Uh, uh, he's slow heel. He just laid back against the tree, and then he lost consciousness again <laughs> when he when he opened. When he opened his eyes again, he did see he had a bunch of uh, notifications. His writing skill increased to from two to seven. Uh, his lupine writing obviously went from two to seven as well, uh, giving him some speed, you know, speed bonuses. And that's when he's reminded: you agreed to do the Okami a favor. Failure to do so when asked will cause a decrease in your reputation with all beings and other unknown consequences. Keep in mind your word means everything. Mm-hmm. He also got the implacable trait. When faced with near impossible tasks of rescuing a companion from a superior enemy, uh, you did not pause. When attacking a battle-hardened warrior, you did not flag. When mortally wounded and kneeling before a sadistic assassin, you did not succumb. Uh, his tracking skill, <laughs> his tracking skill went from two to ten. Uh, uh, what else? He got the fifty thousand. He got fifty thousand points for uh, XP for draining uh, Sonaray because again she was a level thirty-three, so that's a, a big one. And also, he got three levels. So yeah, now he's, he's punching against his weight class. Now he's level yeah. twenty. He's got a bunch of characteristic points to use. He's got uh, he raised in stealth. His trap skills went up. His small blade skills went small up. His blade. light armor skills. His grace in combat. Life magic, and then uh, another pretty uh, ominous uh, announcement. Know this. You have slain a recognized member member of the Ouroboros Guild of Assassins. This could have consequences in the future. But with an exclamation mark. Oh, for sure. But Alma got seven levels. She went from seven to fourteen. Uh, he lost charisma because of his burns. He lost dexterity in his hands because of his burns. But yeah. he c- completed the quest for Isabella. Got a bunch of experience for that, but also 28,000 relationship points. So she went from friendly 1,000 to trusted plus 25,000. So he's got almost mm-hmm. 30,000 relationship points with Isabella. And, and that that's something to keep in mind for, for the story going forward in the future books. Uh, she becomes such an intricate, integral member of the, of the village because she basically... On a fanat, like almost fanatically, becomes like Miss Village for life, bitch. Like I'm down for the gang, ain't nobody, <laughs> you know. Like she, and and rightfully so. I mean, the, the Miss Village saved her, then saved her husband, gave her a place to live. Not gave her a place to live, but you know, she, she's family and welcome and all that. But yeah, absolutely, gave her a place to live. Yeah. Are you kidding? She had, she was a she was a, an abused hostage and slave in her land. That's right. And right. was rescued by not only Richter but by having a secure place to heal. So yeah. absolutely. But also, she he got a, a loyalty reward from the village as a whole because mm-hmm. you know 
They go, wow, he went off and chased down a guy that came in and kidnapped his friend and got him back and did this thing for Isabella. Yeah, so um, he does, uh, Richter does cast a healing, oh, I'm sorry, a mirror spell to just get a look at how, you know, burnt up and gross he looks, so. And he's sad. He's, he's, he, you know, he's, but he's, he pushes on, he doesn't, he's, he handled it a lot better than I did. I don't know if it's because he goes, well, I live in a world full of magic. I have I'm a, I have life magic in me myself. Sumiko's back at the village. She can hook me up. I don't know, but I can't imagine me looking in the mirror and seeing half my hair gone and my scalp and stuff all wrinkled and burnt up and my hands all burnt up. He can't even make a fist properly because of the skin is all tight on his hands. And he's just like, hey. I mean, he doesn't have a choice. He's got to, you know, keep moving and, and get 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 to the next destination. But yeah, he doesn't even. I don't think properly laments the fact that he um, works with the bow and arrow. And if he's a then that's going to affect his accuracy. That could be life changing. That's right. Didn't think of it in that sense. I'm thinking more of the hand to hand stuff, but or like sword fighting and stuff. But yes, he's an archer before any of those things. Yeah. Huh. Um, he didn't. Uh, he does have Futon scout the scout the area, and then he does some looting, and basically the entire chapter, rest of this chapter and chapter is the twelve or thirty. It's just him collecting items. Uh, <laughs> so let's just quickly run down the things he he got off a of sonaray first. Right. Uh, a steel dagger of bleeding, which is an above average quality common item. So that's her worst item, and it's like still pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus ten bleeding, plus plus ten bleeding rate. Like it's a heck of a heck of a weapon. But the other one, the serrated auriculum dagger of tearing. That's the one that's deeply serrated. That's meant to tear and fuck shit up. Yeah, that's excuse that. me on the way out. <laughs> so, ugh. that's the that Rambo type knife that he puts in his boot when he's getting dressed in Rambo, and it's got all those serrated parts on it. Um, a glass finger claw. And yeah, that's what she used to implement the poison when she was scratching his neck, and yeah. he was incapacitated yeah. in, at the village. But it's a specialized item created for assassins who can produce their own poison. So you can't even just mm-hmm. use it if you're just some regular run-of-the-mill, even assassin. Unless you can create your own poisons, it's not going to be any use So Richter to you. can't use it. No. Right. His best bet is to sell it to, to or destroy it. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, what is it? It's a glass finger claw. So would that be... A crafting material or a for would that be uh, he could probably sacrifice it to the forge maybe mm-hmm. i don't know <laughs> we, we, i don't think we ever hear about that glass finger claw ever again so not yet who no. knows <laughs> uh he got a high steel forearm crossbow just a nice little sweet crossbow that 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 hangs out on your forearm nice little stealthy stealthy item uh mini quicksilver hollow nose crossbow bolts that are hollow nose, so you can put poison in them. <laughs> mm-hmm. A leather wrist sheath. Uh, and then he realized uh, she took. He took all his rings back. His his belt of strength. His necklace of scry defense. He didn't realize 
oh man, I've been out here just naked mm-hmm. to the world. Anybody could have been if they looked for me in the last day or two, they would have found me. Um, uh, the poison of nil abilities. Yeah, yeah. Nope. It's an exquisite quality item, and it's scarce. Administering this poison will block all of a target's abilities for a period of one hour. So I think that's the one that she said was, like, super expensive. And that he must have pissed Ronan off because he's he's uh, he's shelling out, you know, high-quality items. Mm-hmm. He also had to open her... She had a waterproof iron elm box, which has just had so many sweet items inside and he had to um disengage the trap on that before he can get it it was with, it was not without protection an incendiary trap a trap he thought was just poison but then when he looked at it he's like nope this is a bottle of in- instant fire so mm-hmm. it would have burnt up everything inside and probably his hands even more and some a poison antidote uh drowned one poison Useful? I'm not sure what. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay. So she had poisons and stuff for every situation. She had a one that causes water magic damage, a salamander extract that causes fire damage, corrupt leech venom that causes death magic, uh, death, uh, uh, corruption, magic corruption. She had a, a healing potion, which was only three of five left. Most most things were full, five of five. But the healing potion uh, was three of five, so mm, maybe she uh, had to fight or something on her way there. Uh, a potion, another healing potion, but an elixir, which was way stronger. A potion of feline grace. I like that. Increases agility by plus seven for 12 minutes. And then her full Ouroboros Assassin's set a cow, a chest plate, arm wraps gloves, leggings, and moccasins. And they all did like in, like the, the chest plate increases stealth. Uh, arm wraps increase attack speed. Uh, the, the other things increase movement speed. And the moccasins make your feet, you know, movement quiet. 50% quieter. And then with this whole set, a 25% bonus to all of those defensive plus a critical strike damage. Like It's just like a perfect assassin's uh, uh, outfit. It wasn't as it good. Is. It wasn't as good as his enhanced sprite armor, but he was like, hmm, you know, in a pinch, I could throw this on and do some damage. It is dope. Her whole everything was dope because <laughs> even with that being all of her armor and being decked out with the poisons and the knives and the blades, she went into a village with nothing but a potato sack on. And, a, and, and her got, necklace, her super awesome wooden necklace that looks like a piece of crap. Right, she got two, but had with, her poison inside. Uh, a raggedy dress and right and got to the leader of this village and assassinated him and not only assassinated him got back out yes, and and, back. and did it without killing anybody else how about that because in most games if you're set to assassinate somebody or take out a target usually you can run in there and just brute strength your way through but you usually get a bonus if you 
only take out your target or take out your target without being seen by Got any it. of the guards or anything. She did all of those things. So if, she, if this was a game, if this was still the land, the game that uh, Silk, <laughs> James, but Richter's real name mm-hmm. and, and player name, played, she would have been a high-level, awesome player that you probably wouldn't want to mess with. Mm-hmm. Um, also on her was a ring of spell storage where you can sp- store, a, store a spell and uh, save it for later. It only lasts a day but before it degrades, but still. I uh, completely forgot that that's where he got that's this where he ring got from. It because, yep, yep. He- he uses that ring pretty consistently throughout the series. Yeah. I think it even he even levels the ring because I was like, wait, th- isn't he able to store like two or three spells in it? Yeah. And I don't know if he got a new ring of spell uh, uh, storage or if that one actually leveled up. Ouch. So I'm, it's an uncommon item, but it's only average quality. So I'm not sure if you can level something like that up, but we'll have to keep that in hmm. mind. He also got a ring of poison resistance and a ring of health. Uh, he messed around with the ring of spell storage and store. finally realized or figured out how to work it. Mm-hmm. Um, he got a ring of enchantment resistance. That's why none of his ch- charm spells work. None of his uh, um, other spells that he tried to charm her or use. Uh, she even knew. She must have felt it because remember she played him. She when he hit her with the charm spell, she dropped her arms and was like, uh, yep. like yes, master. And he was like, ah, I got you. And then she was like, no, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> I was, like, I, I was fooling. <laughs> yeah, you fell for okie doke. <laughs> and then he also finds an inner ring, which says it was at once enchanted, but no longer. So we didn't talk about the point when she dies. You did say that um, her dying would have consequences and we're not sure what those consequences will be. Mm. But at the point that she dies, there is some sort of smoke signal or something comes out of one of her rings. That probably was the inert ring. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Something comes out of her ring and flies off. It was like a little moth or butterfly or something. And you assume that's how they that they're going to know her Ouroboros Assassins Guild is going to know who exactly. Or but how? Or are, are you mad if you're the Assassins Guild leader? Are you now mad? I don't know if you're mad. I think that this might tie into his fame again because I don't think that you're mad. I think that you are now looked at as more of a threat and you might have higher Like the next time someone sends out, like if somebody else comes to them and says, I want this guy killed, they go, well, it's going to cost extra and we got to send out even higher levels assassins. Yeah. Because it's, you can't as an assassin, you can't be like, yeah, we're killers and our job is to kill people. (gasps) How dare you defend yourself and kill one of ours first. They go, I have to imagine they go, oh, well, 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 we need to have better, train our people better. You know, thanks, mm-hmm. thanks for the lesson. So hopefully, because, yeah, yeah, I hate the idea of criminals like, ooh, you going, I'm a, I'm a look at the jury box and like intimidate people. Like, don't you, you should have been a better criminal. You dumbass, the one that got caught. Don't be mad at me because I witnessed you shoot a guy in broad daylight. And I said, yeah, that guy shot that guy in broad daylight. Right. <laughs> Should have shot him in the dark or wore a mask or did something. Um, some more I- items he he had to have Futon, 
um, identify. identify. One was a high steel spring wall, which um, wait was this the one? That's their trap. No, he he could identify. This wasn't an un- unidentifiable one, but it was a high steel spring wall that you could basically go into a cave and set that high steel spring wall at the cave front and basically have a nice little door or mesh cage so people can't follow you or certainly have to break the thing down first before they can come in the cave to get you or the tunnel or whatever. Um, So yeah, then it's just a matter of him deciding which which rings and which items he wants to... uh, where he wants to wear and he goes mm-hmm. through a few th- he goes through a few and decides uh, uh which ones and then in chapter 13 it's more of the same except mm-hmm. for it's on orvin so he realizes oh crap i floated a mile down this river like where him and sonare's body end up is not where the fight started on mm-hmm. you know on the river next to his sticky traps so he had to follow the riverbank back to Back to Orvin's body, and it was right there where he left it. And even Alma gave out another little hoot of, "Yeah, I did that to you, punk." <laughs> you know, at the guy's dead body, she's still like gloating that she killed the guy. And there are birds eating his eyeballs. Birds and, are know, there. One wouldn't. One wouldn't leave. Like, nah, this is my meal. And Alma was like, "You thought." And brain, <laughs> brain drained the big crow and ate its guts out, and you know, had herself a nice little meal. Uh, so on Orvin, he found a, a steel kettle helm, so a steel helmet, and a Riccolum splint mail. So I guess that's like a sh- some kind of shirt, uh, mm-hmm. mail Part shirt. Part of the armor. Uh, high steel ridged armbands, steel armored gloves, uh, high steel chain, chain mail pants, glass boots of shockwave, Pretty self-explanatory. Ring of axe-wielding, four rings of health, and three stamina rings. He was juicing. Yeah. He juice. I mean, <laughs> no wonder his yeah, health pool and stamina pool was so high, and he was able to use that uh, high-power talent, even level two, because he got three stamina rings that give plus 26 and stamina each, and I was, and I assume they stack. You wouldn't have three on if they didn't stack, right? And uh, also the guy's shield, uh, war door shield, steel so, war door. So he's just a walking pile of metal, armor, so pants. Graze the shield. His shield is the way it's described. Is it is lo- as large as a a storm door to a house. It's and. Yeah. When he uses it, it completely covers his person from head to foot, and it's super heavy. So one of the reasons why he probably has on all of those darn rings of stamina uh, is yeah, so, just to wield the so damn shield. No, good right? point. Yeah, good point. That's a stamina drain if I've ever seen. Uh, and also a moonstone hatchet of goblin sling, which is something Richter's like, oh, Crom will love this. So, mm-hmm. um, would you... And this is always, this is always in with the crafting in these kind of games. If you find something like this, do you sacrifice it to so you can learn the spell? 
usually if it's just you, it's like, no, because you'll, you, if it gives you plus 24 to damage to goblins, if you break it down and try to use it in your own spell, you might at best get 12%, so half of the original thing. But if it's a village that you're trying to arm and you sacrifice it to your magical uh, uh, forge, and if Krom can pump out 12, 15, 20 hatchets that give plus 12 damage to... You mm-hmm. definitely will want 20 of those half-strong half uh, axes rather than the one that does full damage. So right. It's just, for Richter's sake, it's like, yeah, certainly you give it to Krom, let the Forge learn that enchantment, and then put it on other swords and other axes, even if it's not going to be as strong as the original one. He, especially uh, because he already has so much swag. He can only use but so many weapons at a time. Well, yeah, but this one was specifically, he's thinking for the village. Like, oh, yeah, Krom's going to love, because Krom hates goblins, and we learned that <laughs> a couple chapters ago, how much uh, he just he just wants to kill some goblins. So can I say something right quick? Please. So I, before, while reading this book, while reading this book and the two that came before it, um, there are several instances when we talk about um, weapons engineered specifically to do extra damage to goblins. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, we had met the bugbears and like crypt mistresses and like, you know, the um, the small dog-like uh, rat creatures kobolds. that are underneath the, right, the kobolds um, but until a few books from now I really had no understanding about how despicable goblins are because we we meet all of these different um, characters and um, ethnicities I guess you might call them um, they all right and they their, uh, you know, their strengths and weaknesses. Um, but until we get a few books later, I didn't really understand how loathsome goblins are across fantasy. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it, I was not ready for how dark the, the goblins, uh, role was in these books. So yeah, to, to see the reach back now and reading the third book and seeing the items that come, specifically with extra goblin firepower mm-hmm. um, was sort of pointing in that direction and I completely missed that on my first read of these books. That's why That's why mm, we're getting a little bit of a, an echo. That's why Life Reset by Shimmer Kuznets is so Life Reset is so cool because it turns that trope on its head. It makes the main character uh, a goblin and he's he's mm. his his He's a regular player in this super immersive game, and he's the leader of the highest level guild in the whole game. And his guild turns on him and gives him a a spell, a scroll spell of race change, except it's like an old glitched one, and it turns him into a goblin, something he shouldn't have been able to to uh, to do. And they assumed, oh, he'll have to re-roll a character and start at number one at at level one, but he stuck it out and played the goblin and. That's the story of him building a monster, uh, a, a village full of smart monsters that don't just, you know, attack like dumb 
monsters. It's like okay. because they're run by a person, you know, not not an NPC. Mm-hmm. And it's like super it. super interesting. And book six, the finale just just dropped, and I and I finished that. That does sound super ago. interesting. And it's uh, it's really cool, uh, but it's also can be used in other ways, like in the Wandering Inn. Aaron has a no goblin, no killing goblins policy at her inn, like because they're just fodder. And in all the fantasy games and all the uh, role playing games, they're typically level one fodder for you to mm-hmm. just go out and slaughter a bunch of goblins with your really terrible you know, low-level sword, because they're so bad. Right. And that's how you level up. And goblins are, yeah. It's it's a shame how goblins get portrayed. They need We need more goblin acceptance. And <laughs> <laughs> but they're also pretty terrible, and they, like, remember how they're described in book one? How they're all filthy, and they're just boning each other, and and they're rolling around in their own filth and flarm, and yeah, it's uh, yeah. There are two different instances later on in the series where characters who have speaking, um, who have deep emotional pain, talk about what they've lived through um, with the goblins. Remember um, Scion's reaction when they walked into that to that inn in the yeah. in book one. <laughs> <laughs> the goblin yeah. cook, like not everybody's super bigoted towards goblins, but uh, uh, well, the, the what else? Are, they don't like nobody. <laughs> they just super right. xenophobic. That's we talked about that before. Um, well, they like the forest. <laughs> they like the forest. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's really, really it for 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 chapter thirteen. He's just. Mm-hmm. Looting the hell out of Orvin's body and checking his stats, and he finds a. Uh, he remembered in, in his run throughout the, uh, in his not run yeah when Finn the the Okami wolf was running, he was like, "There's a really big tree this way, and it's starting to rain. I think I can hang out under that tree and catch no nope. and catch Pause, some because I know where you're going, but you're skipping something. Oh, what I skip? You skipped where he levels up Alma. That's right. That's right. He doesn't want to make Alma a one-trick pony, but she's got mm-hmm. a bunch of points to allocate, and the brain drain just kicks so much ass in these last couple of fights, but he also wanted her to be more than just a uh, drainer a of brains. Yeah. Right. Just go over there and suck up the energy. Like, mm-hmm. he wanted her to be more, exactly like you said, a one-trick pony. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. And he gave her, he increased their psi bond, and she went from, she went from, like, having her a very, very basic intelligence to being able to communicate in, you know, two-word Four sentences. Words. Well, that came later. The first one was the two-word sentences, and she goes, okay. hello, master. And then the, the tone of her voice, the light in her eyes made him, like emotional so he gave her some more and it says Mm -hmm. uh now her base intelligence or her intelligence is increased by 50 percent you can now communicate in four words she can now communicate in four word sentences her base intelligence and and wisdom are also increased by 30 percent and you'll also benefit from the stronger tie to your familiar and richter's mental resistance increased and the maximum distance of communications went from 500 yards to 750. And the light in her yep. eyes brightened even more. And she goes, Master, Master, I understand now. I understand more now. Thank you so much. I love you. And um, 
he got emotional he again and yeah. he got all choked up he's like thank you baby girl i love you welcome i love you too <laughs> and then he gave her uh and then he increased he did end up increasing her brain drain at the end gave her four points in that too but now she's uh she's high level and yeah so then like you said like you said what I said, and then, like you said, he um, knows where this big tree is. There's rain coming. So he decides to hunker down for tonight um, before he has to travel back to the village. Because um, really, without the wolf, um, not that he couldn't do it, but why tempt whatever is walking around at night? Well, like, also, he, he's he been going 100 miles an hour probably for like eight straight hours. He's yeah. riding the like the wind on the back of a friggin' forest wolf. You know, he had to catch up a half a day, you know, I don't know how far that was, but they had a day's head start. He's not right around the corner from the village. He he's at least a day away or at least a day and a half away or, or something. So right, yeah. And then he just fought you know, two high-level fight warrior and an assassin. He's probably just physically wiped out, and he's and like, he "I'm just going to go." Yeah, I almost died. I'm, I'm acid. I ain't got no hair on my head. My arms are all screwed up. I want to at least take a nap under that big ass tree I saw a couple hours ago, and he did. And him and Alma just you know, fell asleep under the tree. Everything was all good, uh, but then he woke up. Uh, it was dark. The rain had stopped, uh, but he heard a faint thud. And twice, twice in the next two chapters, Futon almost kills the Lord of the Mist. Like his master, his so right here, Futon, he he Futon's like, yes, master. Like he's like Futon, where are you? His Futon's like, yeah, what's up? Bright light, normal talking voice, like, huh? I'm right here. And he's like, will you shut up? Go invisible and shut up. But it's too late. By then, whatever was thudding around yeah. a few, you know, a, a few hundred yards, half a mile away is now honed in on their position. Here comes Alma. Master, it's coming. He's like, what's coming? She's like, something big and sends him a mental image of the trees from her view up top, Move bird's eye view, just parting, just trees, just parting. So something big. She couldn't see it, but she knows it's something obviously huge. And he's using the Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park log- logic about this is when he sees the ripples in the of the water and the uh, you know mm-hmm. the, the puddle. He's like, this is something we need to uh, be fairly alarmed uh, alarmed by. And and yeah, basically, what? yeah, what the hell? It, it's a it's a rock monster. Just cut out all the suspension. It's a giant. I don't know, 10, 12 foot rock monster. The way they describe yeah. him, he has hands as big as tires, and he's like wielding a tree trunk as a weapon. So you know, just think of a being that can have a tree trunk as a weapon. How tall and wide you'd have to be. And basically, for the next 12 pages, Richter just runs. He's just hours running from this rock monster whose stamina pool is at almost 2,000. And Richter's is like, I don't know, 300? And he's, again, 
almost died in the last 12 hours. Yes. Like, Richter is not at tip-top shape. And this yeah. thing has an exoskeleton that is, like, boulder tough. Yeah. Like He shoots it in the face with an imbued arrow, and it just, a few cracks appeared. And mm-hmm. the thing smiled at him and <laughs> tried to punch him. And at one point, it did. It, like kicked him or something and Richter crashed into a tree his shoulder pops out of the socket Alma has to side blast him just to get him to wake up and he wakes up and he starts running some more so he spends an entire half a day six hours quarter of a day or whatever just running drinking all the stamina potions that he just got he's burning through them he would get a lead on the thing but he couldn't lose it somehow it was it was tracking him and speaking of tracking we we didn't talk about this earlier when he looted went to go loot orvin's body and he has to walk Mm -hmm. a a mile back up the riverbed his new tracking abilities kick in and he can he can uh see like oh that's a rabbit footprint oh there's a you know an alligator thing or whatever various animals and creatures he has this innate innate ability to see and to track what it is so he sees cobalt or i think he's i'm not sure he knows their cobalt prints but he sees claw claw marks and he starts following them and he's like well this has to be safer than, you know, something. Or safer than, you know, just running aimlessly. Blindly. Pr- blindly right. and aimlessly from this rock monster. Futon, who he had who he had sent scouting ahead, finally, as he's bottoming out with no more stamina potions left, finally Futon finds a cave. And Richter dives in the cave. Uh, Alma and Futon are on his heels, and again, Futon decides now's the perfect time to shine his light on everything. So, of course, there's this pitch-black cave that suddenly is illuminated from the inside, dead giveaway beacon for the rock monster who shoves his arm in the cave and is so close to Richter's face he's with his fingertip scrapes down the front of Richter's face and just Mm -hmm. tears off a bunch of skin on his forehead and nose and Richter's trying to squeeze himself up uh, up against the uh the wall of the the cave the back of the cave and the thing is just shoving its arm in more and more and then he realizes Oh, I don't got to come in this way. I can just smash the top of this hill, which is just yeah. dirt and rock. And Richter ends up uh, ends up toppling over into... Because the cave, there is a... Once he has Futon light up his light or something again, he realizes, oh, I can escape, but it's a drop. And then it, the drop can go down into nothingness. Like, he didn't know. But once the once the rock monster, the rock giant, tore the roof basically off of his cave and looked yeah. down and looked down at him and grinned, he was, had no other choice, and he rolled off the thing and rolled down into the uh, abyss. Down into to the abyss, and he saw more of those claw marks. And one, he said, one word uh, uh, popped into his head: Kobo. So now, and this is where we end, we go from him waking up in a rage, ready to kill and murder. He actually does 
kill and murder. Yeah. And now he can't. It's like now it's an, it's an adventure just to get back home. <sighs> she couldn't make them two Okamis and like have one in reserve. Like nobody thought like, hey, we're going to rescue Tarad. Maybe we should have two. No. So now he's mm-hmm. stuck in a kobold den or cave or underground. We remember from from earlier, uh, from the first segment section of this book, when he had the kobolds uh, charmed and drawing him a map of the tunnel system and how intricate and level this one level one level two level three. So now he's stuck and with presumably if the if the rock monster caved when he was in, in the, the thing, Miss Village. He is not in the Miss Village right now. He ain't in the Miss Village. Yeah, but, so but Lord knows he's what. close enough that Futon still has range. Some range, right? But I but he can't do things. He can just scout ahead and do his invisibility thing, but he can't access any of the mist or any of the village. Uh, uh, you know, benefits or anything. Right. Um, and he can't go back out the way he came because the rock monster done caved in that <laughs> that exit. And so you have to assume in those in the next chapter we'll start at chapter sixteen in the next episode. It's going to be an adventure through Cobalt County. So we kind Country. of because we can't. Kind of literally uh, end on a cliffhanger this week, do we? I mean, yeah. I mean, he's like not hanging on the cliff. He's like buried inside a cliff, cliff burial. <laughs> I, I don't know. But uh, all right. So before we get out of here for this episode, let's go through our list of mm-hmm. of traits and all those things. So let's uh, let's see. Honorable traits. I think that's easy. I mean, he got the implacable. Uh, uh, implacable. It wasn't a skill. It's a it's a trait. He got the implacable trait, which showed, which said, you know, you risked your life and limb to save a friend or rescued him from enemies way higher than you. Mm-hmm. So I think that in and of itself is an honorable trait. Just the fact Agreed. that he immediately. I mean, sure, he had vengeance and you know he saw red and he wanted to get revenge on Sonaray. <laughs> But he also knew I cannot let one of my companions, one of the the village, the 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 leader of the uh, Tarad's, um, the head of the guard. That would have been devastating for more than just from Isabella's standpoint, but from a town standpoint. Yeah, not only a, is he a companion to the Miss Village. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is also a uh, high-ranking, uh, important member of the Miss Village. So yeah, he is definitely. Uh, he will be missed. And not only will he be missed, he's so high profile that failing to save him will absolutely cause um, some rifts in the in the villages. It would have been a little domino effect. It would have just been an ended with Isabella being sad and disheartened. It would have been all of the all of the guards probably, uh, and just people that just knew Tarad as a decent guy, and you know, right, would have been really negatively affected. The entire village would have been negative. For sure. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Continue with your list. Yeah, strategies. Uh, I, I, I think again, that's obvious. The strategy of finding, uh, tracking them down, and then setting his traps, and being able to take out two higher—not way higher level—but Sonare was almost double him. He's 17. She was 33. 
you know, just in pure levels, he had he should have had no chance. And like he said, when he after she was dead and he saw all those potions and poisons, if he didn't rile her up by stomping on her wasp and stuff, she would have probably prepared. And, you know, if those daggers would have went into him with any of those any of those uh, uh, poisons on it, <laughs> he, he definitely doesn't survive. Mm hmm. So just being strategic and and uh, not running up on him with the wolf. That I wonder if the wolf would have just been like, nope, I, I, I'm gonna buck you off and I'm gonna go hang out by the riverbed while you fight. You ain't getting me in because the wolf did not help him in the actual fight. He didn't bite nobody. He didn't chomp nobody's leg. He didn't provide any kind of like uh, uh, distraction with a bark or a howl. Nope. He just he had to be begged and bartered into taking the Tarad back. So, so remember he was the wolf was brought into this plane by um Haseko. Haseko, yeah. Thank you. Um so she asked him to do a very specific thing. Take Richter to go and save his companion. Uh-huh. So he he had an obligation to do only what the person who bought him to the plane asked him to do. Um, so yeah, he fulfilled his end of the bargain. And I don't think that he was really that Richter had to grovel. Um, but to give as good as he got. And the only thing he really had to offer was the ability to do a favor for him in the future. So yeah, I, I think it evened out. I didn't think he I thought he did exactly what he was supposed to do. Friends made. I don't think we um Certainly, the Okami Finn was not his friend. <laughs> that was just, he was there. It was a strictly business transaction. Uh, they are not friends. But Isabella um, yes. going up 28,000 points in their relationship, going from friendly to trusted ally, that's right. major. And you have to assume Tarot, as much as if he can bump up anymore, I know they're already companions, but I'm sure they've. That capped out whatever uh, <laughs> relationship that they could possibly have. Uh, yeah, I'm laughing because you said uh, already uh, what their status was, and I was like, yeah, there's not much um, above yeah. that except maybe Starcross Lover. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Isabella might have an issue with that if they got any any closer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, enemies made. Well, we had two enemies killed, and possibly the Ouroboros Assassins Guild. Maybe if they're not enemies, he's certainly now not on their, only on their radar because somebody came to them and purchased their, their services to kill him, but he then, you know, lived through that and took out one of their high-level folks. So that's still, that's still uh, something we have to see in the future. But if I had to say enemies made Ouroboros, I think Ronan's still a pretty big enemy that was re- mm-hmm. reestablished. Uh and oh oh duh the friggin' rock monster <laughs> don't get don't get any bigger bigger enemies than that so rock monster uh for sure magic learned I don't know if he learned new magic but some got bumped up for sure yeah, he got skills but not magic learned he got the tracking skill but I don't but yeah. that wasn't a magic. Yeah, I don't think he learned a new. Oh, the ring! He learned to to to, to use the ring ca- the ring spell storage. 
So okay, I'll he, take that. he learned that. Uh, skills learned, yeah, ton of them. Or maybe not. Le- well, track, uh, not tracking. Um, the writing, he didn't have that until he got on the wolf and got placed and all that. So, mm-hmm. and th- and then that jumped up to 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 ten. And same with his tracking, and and then a bunch of other stuff got boosted. Small blades, archery, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, weapons found. Well, <laughs> those two cool daggers Sonoray had, the axe of goblin smashing or whatever, the 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 the, the war door that ends up being, you know, useful in a part of the village later on. Uh, so yeah, so they they provided him with a ton of loot and weapons. Same thing with valuables earned, all those rings, all the uh, the stamina rings and potions and and poisons and tinctures and elixirs i mean it was a cache of stuff that they that was a good come up i mean that's what happens when you beat people double your level and the best line i'm giving it to sumiko with we don't need that kind of language oh my goodness gracious (laughs) young man because i forgot she's an old woman yeah. Because later she's, you know, has her little transformation that we won't talk about. But, uh, like, yeah, she's older than Hisako. Yes. Like, even though I think they're sisters, she's older than Hisako. And she has a cane and long gray hair. And she's, like, kind of bent over a little bit in her, in her posture. So it was no, just. No, Hisako's sister later. She's not her sister. Are you sure? Sumiko is uh-huh. Hisako's sister? I'm sure she's not. Okay. We, we meet. Yeah, we meet her sister later. Okay, okay. Uh, so, yeah, so it was such a perfect old lady line, like, language, young man, kind of thing. So, yeah, so yeah. Does, was there another line that stuck out for you in this So, section? no, I, so I, all of my, um, I thought, uh, again, and probably because we had more conversation about it than any other line, I thought that the waking up um, with the expletives. Where is Sherry? <laughs> yeah. Where is yeah. that bitch? She's <laughs> just spewing. Like, I mean, and it's totally understandable. I mean, if I had to live through that, you know. Oh, we even forgot. He, he passed out during the torture. And, and she, she woke, she woke his ass up. Like, uh-uh, uh-uh. You don't get out of this that easily. <laughs> you're going you gonna to feel all this pain. That's, so the crazy part to me is that yes, yeah, she woke him up because that was part of her job, not because she had any ill will towards him. Can you imagine what she would have done if she hated the guy? Yeah. After he squished that damn wasp, if she would have gotten the better of him uh, that time? Oh my gosh, she would have turned it inside out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> While it was still attached, yeah, it would have been horrible. <sighs> yeah. Oh man, here's to the writing of good bad guys yeah. and bad girls. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So far, we've we've gotten some really high quality villains uh, in in this series. Even mm-hmm. even Stonic, who was just a rich spoiled lord, you know, noble guy, was still you know scumbag enough. You know, slave trader, kidnapper. Yeah. Yeah. Even and Ronan, a guy you know, thieves guild guy. Uh, Bug, you know, bugbears, you know, just random monsters. Of course, they're they're good bad guys. They just come in your town and kill stuff at, at random. So I forgive the monsters. I'm not really 
really mad at the monsters. I'm that's irritated. Their, that's by their them. nature, right? Right. I'm irritated by the monsters and the fact that you exist and you're really scary. And most of the times, if not larger than me, you uh, present a formidable force. And you know, you being there irritates me. But the bad guys, man, mm-hmm. yeah, they really yep. twitch my nerves. Yep. And we'll meet. Uh... Well, I don't know if the kobold in this next section with the kobolds, if we meet in. Oh, wait, is this is this where he finds that knight? That like skeleton knight and it's like the el- the first mention of like eldritch magic and like that lich. No, no. OK, OK. I, I forget what happens in this run with the kobolds. Is this when he finds that egg? I don't. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll answer all those questions and more uh, on on next week's episode. Yes. Um, so please contact us. Uh, there are various ways to get in contact with us. Uh, if you want to uh, tweet us, that's the easiest, most direct way. Get at us at D Dust Podcast. I don't. Is that it? I don't uh, say that that Twitter handle enough. Uh, I should know my own thing by heart. Yes, at D Dust Podcast. Find us on Twitter. Uh, you can also email us at D Dust Podcast at Gmail dot com. D Dust Podcast at Gmail dot com. And you can always uh, drop us a voicemail. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Please, that's uh, those are always really fun. Four one five. Seven eight seven five two two nine, and that is the voicemail line. So drop us one or all of you know. Call us, email us, tweet us if if you want. Make it a trifecta. So, um, I think that does it for us here this week, Ken. Any? Yeah, it uh, does. Thanks everybody for joining us, and I can't wait to meet with you guys for the next couple of chapters. Absolutely. And uh, so for Richter and and the Miss Village. We'll get on y'all next episode. Thanks for listening. Talk to y'all later. The Demon Dust Podcast is produced by Cameron Hawkins for the South Congress Podcast Network. 